for joining this week's episode of the Inner Circle podcast. Uh, my guest this week is Ivan Novikov from uh, Wallarm. So Ivan, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you, Donnie. Thank you so much for having me. Um, uh, yeah, my name is Ivan. I'm the CEO of Wallarm. And so actually, I started as security expert. Uh, I did a company called, uh, it, it, it was a security consultancy company. I did it for four years, and then I decided to transform everything and build a worm as a security vendor. And we are doing continuous security for web applications. Okay, so doing continuous security, um, let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, I mean every, so everything in the in to, today's world, the DevOps world, everything is continuous. Everything is continuous integration, continuous deployment. Um, and so, you know, so to do continuous security, um, give me a little bit of the, of, of kind of the, I guess the, the technology or the basic concept behind how, how you do continuous security. Yeah, sure. Uh, you're definitely right that everything is continuous now because as I believe people just realized that software itself uh, it's not just uh, a software as it was like 10 years ago, because technically software as a process, it's, it means like a business process, right? Uh, and applications uh, is a process as well. And this process is based on technology, definitely. But the main goal of this process is to generate some sort of revenue or additional value, right? Somehow. That's why it's impossible to count applications as a software and to apply development model for just a software, right? Uh, it's not a software out of the box, it's a process, and you should be able to improve this process to deliver new features and to add additional value to your customers all the time. That's why it's important to do everything in a continuous manner. And the security should be applied in the same manner. That's what we realized like five years ago and started to invest uh, in this technology to deliver everything uh, on rails, right? And the main difference here is it's just impossible to do everything manually. And the main driver here is automation. And we have a lot of second drivers like machine learning, a lot of optimization, performance, obviously, and process improvements uh, out of the box to, to allow us to, to build the security and a continuous manner, but mainly uh, the main drivers there, as I said before, that applications now is not a software anymore. They are actually a processes. That's why we need to apply security and in continuous manner. And to make it to make it happen, we need to apply automation, machine learning, whatever, and we need to reinvent security itself to deliver the as a process, not just as a software. It's impossible to protect something just by. Uh, I don't know, if I'd like to just buy software and protect something, I'll be never achieve any success because somebody should apply this software, should build a process around it, it's really important. That's why, so we decided to do continuous security instead of just selling software. Okay, so way back when, uh, I used to be a network admin, I used to be a security consultant and analyst, and one of my jobs, which I've talked about in previous episodes, um, involved sort of doing the uh, security assessment on software projects before they 
hit production. So there was a whole, you know, I'm talking old school waterfall method. You know, there was a whole process that went into gathering requirements and developing the software and developing the application. And by the time it got to me, uh, really they were looking for me to just rubber stamp it and say, yes, this is good because it was going to be way too costly and way too, you know, big of a pain in the ass to go back and try to fix anything I might discover when they're ready to release the software. So it was kind of a really dumb process. And so the concept of continuous security, I think, makes tremendous sense um, and the ability to kind of continuously iterate and to to keep keep coming back to that question and dealing with it and not just waiting until the end. Um, and or, or in this case, there sort of is no end and no beginning. Um, one of the things, though, is, you know, we still had to come up with the tests I and mean, we still had to figure out, okay, well, what are we, you know, what are, what are the parameters we're going to test for? How are we going to do this? And, you know, as I've kind of like dug in and, and done a little background on Wallarm, uh, it, it, one of the things that stands out to me is the way you guys are using uh, artificial intelligence to not only automate the testing, but to, to automate the creation of the test to kind of like make sure that I'm, I'm coming up make to make sure that I'm testing the things I should be testing. Yes, exactly. So I can explain actually why we decided to use this thing uh, and this approach itself. And I need to say that it was like five years ago when it was pretty unusual to use any like machine learning techniques, even uh, if we will not count neural networks itself, because there are a lot of other techniques related to machine learning, not related to neural networks, but it's just a different techniques. Uh, we reason mainly all of the available techniques on the market, <laughs> including like neural networks and other things. But uh, why we decided to do it? We understood that it's just impossible to impossible to protect Thompson if we will not train uh, the protection system itself to understand what exactly we want to protect. Uh, let me give you one example. Try to imagine that we want to protect stackoverflow.com or some other website related to security or technology itself. And people there want to share knowledge about this security, right? And want to share an exploit example and want to actually technically upload this exploit to this website. If we will apply just the common signatures or regular expressions or whatever, uh, it, this request will be blocked, right? Because technically it's an exploit and somebody tried to upload this exploit at stackoverflow.com. And to avoid this, somebody from your team, from security team, for example, should tune the rule and technically, I mean, adjust rules itself or just like disable the current rule to allow this. And we tried to think about different approach. What if it will be possible to train some sort of like automation, machine learning algo or whatever, some sort of like uh, a program to help us to solve this problem, to understand that it's normal behavior. And we start to talk, okay, how we can make a decision that it's normal behavior. Definitely we can do it by some sort of statistics, but at the same time, we should be sure that we will never allow anybody to upload, exploit, and actually hack current like application. And to make it happen, we need to verify each exploit. That's why we started to invest in mainly like attack verification technology 
it means that we try to replay each single exploit against agent environment or uh, production environment or whatever to make a decision, is it vulnerable uh, function of particular app or not? If it's not, and we've got a lot of statistics that users would like to do it, we can allow them to use it. Otherwise, we cannot, because statistics could be also uh, generated because of only attacks. And if attackers know that we want to protect this particular website or application or API or whatever using like this like machine learning techniques, they can actually generate a lot of attacks from different AP addresses, different sessions to uh, to lie to us that it's normal behavior, right? And to avoid the situation, we started to invest in technologies uh, to generate mainly security unit tests based on traffic and all the attackers' intelligence uh, there, as it's how we decided to do this. Okay, interesting. Um, so let's let's dig a little bit into a specific technique, um, and it's one that I. You know, it, it sort of kind of came into being after I stopped being an actual security analyst and kind of got into the marketing and writing side of things full time. Um, but it's but you, you see the word all the time, which is fuzzing. So so fuzzing is like this, you know, you know, it's a, it's a big software testing technique um, where you're you're basically, as I understand it, uh, running a bunch of invalid response or invalid inputs uh, past a system, basically trying to see how it responds. So uh, that's my, my rudimentary understanding. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about just fuzzing yeah. in general? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, so, uh, fuzzing as a technique allows us to discover more issues by identifying uh, this like unexpected behavior for a particular application or website or whatever. And when we're talking about testing, security testing, uh, as a part of this testing itself, we need to solve two main problems. First of all, we need to identify uh, what we need to test, uh, I mean, which particular API or URL or like JSON call or whatever. And to solve this problem, we actually applied machine learning to uh, clusterize traffic from the real world or from a data to learn application better. But then we will be faced with the second problem. And the second problem is how we uh, should test this app. For example, we identified uh, what exactly we need to test this particular API call. For example, your login method, right, with the two parameters, login and password, username and password. And we know that usually you get username looks like email, and your password usually consists of six plus characters. And uh, we did it because of statistics, machine learning, and we identified it because of a lot of traffic. Uh, analyzed before, but then we need to be sure that you will you will be never hacked because of this method. And to make it happen, we definitely can use all the hacker intelligence and replay all the attacks from there. But it's not enough. And to, and to increase the coverage, uh, we started to apply fuzzing techniques. And fuzzing techniques actually based on a lot of assumptions or on how this anomal data could look like. For example, okay, if normal email consists of like uh, technically three different parts, like this prefix before an add character, yeah, the main name and like the main zone. Let's imagine that we will apply I don't know different characters like I don't know some sort of like 
uh, Unicode characters uh, into the, the main zone and understand what happened, or just add some spaces there, or remove, I don't know, dashes there, or whatever. So, and then understand application behavior and understand how exactly that application will respond to us. Uh, and we can make a this decision because we train it before our system and we know what the normal behavior is and how it was with the normal data. And mainly Fuzzin, it's actually uh, a testing technique based on this like unexpected uh, user data, input data, or unexpected behavior itself. It really depends on what right, you are testing. Right. And, and, and that part makes sense to me because again, even, even early on, even back when I was you know, doing security there, um, you, you, mean, you always had uh, buffer overflows and different kind of crashes that might result if something was poorly coded. So if I said, hey, I want you to give me uh, whatever your birth date, um, but I don't limit your input and I allow you to put in, you know, the entire Constitution of the United States, then uh, you know that that is a, a an input that my my program is not prepared to handle, and it's it's going to either cause something to happen that I'm not expecting. It could cause the system to crash. Um, so all those make sense, and I, so I can see then kind of the evolution of well, now let's take that, let's figure out how to automate that so we can find all of those things faster. Yeah, exactly. Because we, we collect all the statistics and we can apply uh, our assumptions on how this unexpected behavior could look like because we've seen expected behavior before. Otherwise, we need to apply a bunch of different uh, ideas on how this like anomal data, unexpected data could look like and we, will, we should spend a lot of time. And we can opt optimize it because of our previous analysis on normal data. So how does that look then? So in, sorry, in testing, how does it look to do specifically user fuzzing? Uh, yeah, so it really depends on which fuzzing techniques we're using and how, because it's just, uh, it's a question about the framework, right? So you can apply different techniques and you can apply different things there. Usually it's a list of all the attacks which attackers uh, sent before with a lot of uh, things there and a, a kind of permutators uh, between them. Uh, for example, if we will match two, two different strings, it's possible to replace some characters from one string to another to generate new string and then send it to app and understand what happens there and a lot of other things there. Uh, app applications itself, uh, they are completely different against the binary apps. For binary apps, for example, you can generate so, uh, your input based on your normal data format and some sort of techniques like Bitflip or whatever. Uh, for web apps, mainly you should take a look at uh, all the syntaxes under the roof of your app. For example, SQLi or HTML syntax or Redis or whatever, some sort of protocols to make an assumption how this normal data could look like based on the, their protocols. Uh, on this like under the roof technologies there. And uh, yeah, so it looks like uh, like an appline of some sort of list of knowledges and some sort of like permutators between them. Okay. So in the so taking this back then to the kind of the, the overall the context of 
continuous testing. Um, when you're, you know, so when you're doing fuzzing within the, the context of the continuous testing, what are you then doing with those results? Yeah, exactly. So, and, and actually, it's a really important question to understand what the continuous security is. From my point of view, uh, we uh, we need we, we, we should uh, deliver a framework and uh, provide a different reference designs how it should be implemented in which case. Um, in detail, in 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 particular case, it for example should looks like I'm security engineer or like a director of security or whatever, and I know that all my apps uh, should be in a good fit against this security testing policy, and I I'll generate this policy, and then uh, and this policy will include some sort of fuzzing techniques. For example, I'd like to cover uh, uh, each single byte permutators. And I'd like to add the single bytes, each single byte from zero to uh, FF, right, uh, to each single data parameter in my app. And I'd like to do it. And if my app will respond 500 plus status code, I will never release this app. And that's my actually testing policy. And then uh, using this framework, I need to deliver this policy to each single developer, each single like uh, staging machine, each single uh, uh, testing like environment to test everything before the release. That's the one way how it should be delivered. And Jenkins will not do this build or like CircleCI uh, or GitLab or whatever, any automation uh, of your CICD pipeline uh, should actually uh, deny to release this app if all the security policies will never match. That's how it should be. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, and 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 again, kind of this kind of jumps back to the beginning. But I, you know, I think what what you're doing in general, what Wallarm is doing in general with continuous testing and with automated, uh, both automated test creation and automated testing, is invaluable today because, as you pointed out, it's just not possible to keep up. There, there, like it's it's. It's just literally not possible to do this manually and do it right. Yeah, because applications now are really complex things there, right? Uh, it's just impossible to analyze uh, all the methods manually, and it's just impossible to run all the testing scenarios. But we can use all the knowledge. We can use manual tests. We can use uh, this traffic from uh, unit tests, from functional tests. We can use all this knowledge to train system and generate tests based on this. And then we can integrate with, with your application firewall to explain to you that, for example, we got a blind spot there because we never tested this particular API call before, but we faced with the traffic on this API call to help you to increase coverage, to increase your uh, actually testing policies, right? And increase your security as the final stage. Yeah, and uh, there was something I was going to add there, um, and it just slipped my mind. But um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I had another question, and it totally, totally blanked out on me. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, this, this has been a, a great conversation. Um, I think it's, it's interesting, and I think that, uh, um, you know, where, like I say, where where we're at with DevOps, where we're at with microservices and cloud, 
uh, you know, all organizations, you know, basically moving to the cloud, having you know, hybrid and multi-cloud environments, and there's just so much uh, going on, and the, the environment is so is is so dynamic that you know it's important to have an automated uh, test solution like this. Actually, it just re just recalled what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> what I was going to say was uh, that artificial intelligence is also far better at uh, pattern recognition and long-term memory. Um, that, that if I was looking at things, you know, it'd be harder for me to pick up, you know, sort of the, the, the bigger picture of what I'm looking at um, than what an AI can do if it's properly trained. Um, and where I might only think of like emerging trends or i might remember like a couple you know uh, things from like a few months ago an ai and a, and a machine learning algorithm can have a much broader uh, historical view to be able to detect things yeah it's true it's definitely true at the same time ai is not a magic right it's just a tool and if we will apply this tool and implement it in the right way we will achieve like better results than it was before. Definitely it's possible to achieve almost the same results by applying like, I don't know, a lot of analysts, in forces of a lot of analysts, right? But we want to uh, make it efficient, right? And we want to share this knowledge across a lot of customers. We won't like to just uh, collect this like tons of regulars, uh, regular expressions and so signatures because it's mainly unusable data collected from 19s where apps were different, completely different. And using AI, we can actually adjust everything almost on the fly, and we can share this knowledge across all the customers. And if we will be faced with new attack, we can share the same payload across all of them, a train system, retrain system again. But it's not a magic, it's just the right way how this, mainly the same, the same ideas, uh, like, uh, invented like 20 years ago should be implemented. All right, very good. Um, well, I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to join me. I think this is, a, like I said, I think it was an interesting conversation um, in the in the notes on online that I put with the, the podcast. I will include uh, links to some of the, the wall arm resources and other things that, so that uh, listeners can uh, kind of dig in and, and, and find out a little bit more about what you guys have got going on. But uh, thank you. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me. Huge thanks to Wallarm for sponsoring this week's episode of the Inner Circle podcast. Wallarm is a team of white hat security professionals helping customers build and run applications securely and efficiently leveraging advanced AI technologies. Wallarm believes that security solutions can't use static rules. They have to understand assets, uh, the assets they're protecting, and they have to adapt policies accordingly. Using machine learning, it's not only possible to profile the application on the traffic, but also adapt to its changes. Wallarm knows that companies have very limited resources with which to react and defend. Therefore, they should only be reacting to dangerous events where the attacks are actually exploiting application flaws. And using machine learning and artificial intelligence, Wallarm is able to help
companies identify those things and prioritize risks accordingly. So take a look at Wallarm for your application security needs. And again, thank you to Wallarm for supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and hopefully you are also following us on social media. But if you really want to stay up to date with what's new on TechSpective, you need to also subscribe to our free email newsletter. The reason is uh, the algorithms used on social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter um, make it so that you might not see our content even if you do like or follow TechSpective. So you can subscribe to our daily and or weekly email newsletter to make sure that you don't miss a thing. Just scroll all the way down to the bottom right of TechSpective and click on subscribe in the menu.